0: Welcome to this week's episode of Feminist Fiends in Quarantine Queens. If you've listened to some of our other episodes, you know that this podcast was created to escape the harsh realities of our world for an hour by discussing representations of feminism in our media. However, America is currently experiencing two very deadly pandemics, coronavirus and racism. In light of recent events, namely the brutal murders of Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, and Breonna Taylor, we decided that treating this week's podcast as business as usual and not speaking out against the rampant police brutality and systemic violence against Black and Brown communities would be employing our white privilege.
1: You may notice that today's episode is a lot shorter than our previous episodes. This is not to suggest that race isn't a topic worthy of intense dissection, discussion, or meditation. On the contrary, We'd like to challenge all of our listeners to use the extra 30 minutes you may have spent listening to our podcast this week to educate yourselves on the issues plaguing our country. Now more than ever, it is crucial to center Black voices, and as three white women, we recognize that it is not the responsibility of our Black friends and neighbors to educate white people like ourselves. As such, we feel that it is our responsibility to take
2: advantage of any platform we have even one as new as this podcast, to advocate for anti-racism and stand with the Black Lives Matter movement. For today's episode, we're going to provide a list of some of our favorite resources and Black media that we've been consuming to challenge our listeners, particularly our white listeners striving to be allies, to center Black perspectives and practice intentional, active allyship. This is by no means an exhaustive list, and we encourage you all to reach out to us on Instagram at Feminist with any other resources you'd like to see us promote.
0: While on our page, you can also click the link in our bio to access a great starting compilation of anti-racism resources created by Sarah Sophie Flicker and Alicia Klein. Flicker and Klein hope the list will, quote, serve as a resource to white people and parents to deepen our anti-racism work. If you haven't engaged in anti-racism work in the past, start now. Feel free to circulate this document on social media and with your friends, family and colleagues End quote. "This list of resources, along with many other resources, has been posted and reshared all over social media. But the work that has to be done is taking the time to consume these resources. It is not enough to reshare. We have work to do.
1: So without further ado, let's dig into today's episode. I'd like to start by plugging a documentary that I've seen highlighted across social media in recent weeks, Ava DuVernay's 13th on Netflix. I've studied the prison industrial complex in a few classes during undergrad and was immensely moved and enraged by books like Global Lockdown by Julia Sudbury and The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, but seeing the inherent racism embedded into America's criminal justice system play out on screen was an even more sobering experience. In the film, DuVernay exposes the ways in which racially motivated policies have devastated Black communities while filling the pockets of various corporations. I cannot recommend this documentary enough. It is available both on Netflix and for free on YouTube. Also, DuVernay announced on her Instagram a few days ago that her award-winning film, Selma, will also be available for free on digital streaming platforms across the U.S. during the month of June, as is the filmic adaptation of Bryan Stevenson's groundbreaking memoir, Just Mercy, directed by Destin Daniel Cretton. Additionally, Netflix has curated a Black Lives Matter list of movies, documentaries, and television shows for streaming. A few of my favorites on the list are Pose, Self-Made, and When They See Us. Get binging, encourage your friends and family to watch along with you, and start engaging in some tough conversations with yourself and those around you.
0: For one of my foundational picks, I'd like to highlight Peggy McIntosh's article, White Privilege, Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack. McIntosh begins with a quote, I was taught to see racism only in individual acts of meanness, not in invisible systems conferring dominance on my group. She then thinks about unacknowledged male privilege as a phenomenon that she is able to understand as a woman. But being in a position of white identity never allowed her to think about how not only does racism put individuals at a disadvantage, but it puts her at an advantage, and this is something that has been denied and protected. I especially appreciate how she writes from a women's studies scholarly lens and challenges white feminists saying, quote, as we in women's studies work to reveal male privilege and ask men to give up some of their power, so one who writes about having white privilege must ask, having described it, what will I do to lessen or end it? McIntosh then goes on to list 50 daily effects of white privilege ways she benefits from her privilege. This list makes tangible the, quote, invisible knapsack of white privilege that the title presents and implores white readers to think deeply about the ways in which they benefit from a system that actively oppresses others. This article is a seven-page read. The absolute bare minimum you can do is read seven pages. We must do more, but this is a place to start
2: speaking of reading as an english major literature is near and dear to my heart a great way to inspire activism is through reading at the beginning of quarantine i read the book such a fun age by kylie reed which follows a 27 year old black woman attempting to find her place in the world of adulthood and careers the story also follows two white characters the main characters boyfriend and boss as they both claim to know what is best for Amira, while blatantly ignoring what she is actively saying. I think it's a great novel that really tackles the idea of the white savior and how it continues to happen today, even by people who claim, I have black friends. I'm also really eager to dig into the book, They Were Her Property, White Women as Slave Owners in the American South, by Stephanie Jones Rogers. I bought it from Mahogany Book, a Black-owned bookstore where you can purchase books online and recommend y'all check it out. It's a bold and searing investigation into the oppressive, economic, and violent role white women played in the American slave economy. I want to continue to educate myself, especially as I am a white woman in the South. So if you'd like to read along with me, I highly suggest ordering a copy from a Black-owned bookstore and let's get in touch.
0: Last September, Beverly Daniel Tatum, President Emerita of Spelman College, visited Swanee to speak about race relations, particularly thinking about race and racism in education. Beverly Tatum first published her book, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria, in 1997, and in 2017, she published a 20th anniversary revised and updated edition of the book. This book is still incredibly relevant 23 years after it was first published and I highly recommend it. New York Times bestselling author, Jody Pickle says, quote, we don't talk about race in America but we must start if we are going to heal this broken country. Beverly Daniel Tatum's book is exactly the conversation opener we should be using, end quote. We are being called to engage in this conversation. Racism cannot be a topic that we brush past. As Jody Pickle tells us, Beverly Tatum's book is a great place to start. Additionally, Beverly Tatum's TEDx Stanford talk, Is My Skin Brown Because I Drink Chocolate Milk? encourages all of us to question the first time we thought about race and how children are primed to think about it as something that cannot be spoken about. Something she encouraged Swanee to think about when she visited in the fall. You can find this TED Talk on tedx.stanford.edu and on YouTube.
1: Of course, as podcast junkies ourselves, we'd be remiss not to mention a few of our favorite podcasts. Code Switch from NPR, hosted by Shireen Marisol Maraji and Jean Dimby, is a go-to listen for me and covers everything from racial disparities in the face of COVID-19 to systematic police brutality against Black and brown bodies to current music giving life and inspiration to the movement. Their recent episode, entitled A Decade of Watching Black People Die, should be required listening. A few other titles to plug are still processing from the New York Times, Two Dope Queens, and Pod Save the People. You can access all of these shows wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Finally, to close out today's episode, we'd each like to plug an organization to check out and donate to. I encourage you to visit the Equal Justice Initiative's website and follow them on all of their social media platforms to stay informed on the history of systemic racism in the United States. EJI was founded in 1989 by Brian Stevenson as a nonprofit that, as the website states, quote, is committed to ending mass incarceration and excessive punishment in the United States, to challenging racial and economic injustice, and to protecting basic human rights for the most vulnerable people in American society. EJI works to provide legal representation to marginalized individuals that have been wronged by our nation's broken police and prison systems. EJI's Legacy Museum in Montgomery, Alabama, powerfully presents the evolution of slavery using its exhibits to present its visitors with the history of the domestic slave trade, racial terrorism, the Jim Crow South, and modern-day slavery, mass incarceration. Just a short walk away from the museum is EJI's National Memorial for Peace and Justice, a national lynching memorial honoring the more than 4,400 African American men, women, and children that were killed between 1877 and 1950. I visited EJI's museum and memorial last fall with Dr. Paige Schneider's Politics of Poverty and Inequality class at Swanee. While the museum is not open during the time of COVID-19, I strongly urge everyone to plan a trip to visit when their doors reopen. Visit uji.org to learn more about the work of EJI and donate to support efforts to end mass incarceration and excessive punishment in the United States.
1: In light of Pride Month and the recent murders of Tony McDade, Nina Pop, and Monica Diamond, I'd like to plug the Audre Lorde Project out of New York. This organization, named for feminist icon and queen Audre Lorde, is an organization for LGBTQ people of color within New York City and champions issues of prison reform, immigrant activism, youth organizing, HIV and AIDS activism, and much more. Please check them out on their website and make a monetary contribution if you are able.
2: While we continue to fight for justice in this country, the cops responsible for the death of Breonna Taylor remain free. There is a GoFundMe in her name where you can donate to her family. However, they also ask that you donate to the Loveland Foundation in her honor as well. The Loveland Foundation is committed to showing up for communities of color in unique and powerful ways with a particular focus on Black women and girls. Their resources and initiatives are collaborative and they prioritize opportunity, access, validation, and healing. It began in 2018 by Rachel Cargill in response to her birthday fundraiser, Therapy for Black Women and Girls. The Loveland Foundation is the official continuation of this effort to bring opportunity and healing to communities of color and especially to black women and girls. Thank you all for joining us for another episode. Right now, it is crucial that we hold one another accountable, do the work, uplift Black voices, and support social justice in our communities, our country, and all around the world. We all have a long way to go, and our activism and allyship will almost certainly be imperfect, but what matters is that we all come together to support the Black Lives Matter movement.
1: If you identify or walk through this world as a white person as we do, it's time for us to check our privilege and check our discomfort and use our platforms to amplify Black experiences. You cannot simply say you are an ally. You must make allyship an active verb.
0: As we've said before, the list we've provided today is only a starting point. We are by no means expert on this issue, but it's not Black people's burdens to educate us on racism. We hope you'll join us in spreading awareness on social media, signing petitions, consuming Black media, crediting Black artists, and protesting if you are able. Next week, we'll be talking about the acclaimed film, The Hate U Give, so be sure to give it a watch before tuning in next Friday. It's available for free streaming on Google Play.
1: Finally, as always, we'd like to close out with a quote. As Fannie Lou Hamer once said, nobody's free until everybody's free. Black Lives Matter. We love you all. Please stay safe and take care of yourselves.